Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. Uh, edition 106, I believe we're on. 106 of the podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by uh, Make Your Mark Home Renovation. Listen, we've all been stuck in the house for two years. We weren't going anywhere. Now we're out and about. We're getting moving around again. Now's the perfect time to do some renovating in your house. The stuff you've been putting off for two years. Give my good friend Mark Schneider a call over at 585-613-6598. He, he's been in the business for over 25 years. He does great work. He's on every job. He makes sure it gets done the right way. Your house will look like the Taj Mahal when he's done with it. I'm telling you right now. So give Mark a call. Check him out, too, on their Facebook page and Make Your Mark on Facebook. Then the other, uh, our longtime sponsor, been with us since the beginning, is Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. This takes cotton candy to a whole new level. We're not talking flavors like cherry or blueberry. No, we're talking flavors like cheesecake, Shirley Temple, Fireball. Your taste buds are going to thank you when you're done with this stuff. You might need a dentist. You might need a dentist, but your taste buds are going to thank you. Uh, so give my friend Jennifer, uh, go over to her Facebook page and check her out at the public market. Uh, because if you tell her you saw this ad right here on Wednesdays with wheels, you will get a dollar off your purchase. So how can you beat that? I just have to get rid of some pop-ups here real quick so I can see what I'm not trying to do. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce, introduce to you my next guest. You know him. He's on the Brother Weez show and the DeTulio and Moran show. The man is all over Radio 95.1. Bill Moran, how are you, my friend? Good to see you. I am well. How are you, Wheels? What an operation you have here. Man. I mean, I try to do I try. I've learned from the best from Weez and you and, and DeTulio. I have to, I have to say to you, you by far have to have one of the smoothest voices in Rochester Radio that I've heard. Ever, my friend. Uh, I don't know. You about know, that. a guy like me who's very high pitched and squeaky when he gets excited, and then there's yeah. a guy like you that just delivers it so clean and so smooth the way I wish I could do it. Well, tell I, me, I yeah. Tell me, what was it about radio that? What was it that made you want to get into radio? I always wanted to get into radio since I was a, a little kid, and I think it was the fact that. Um, I could be somebody I wasn't. No one could see me. You know what I mean? It yeah. was almost like I mean, if I were being really honest, when I was when I was little, and certainly that that's changed over my career. I think I've been honest and vulnerable and and a little more open about things. But I love that you could hear these guys. They were quick. They were funny. Uh, there was a guy in a top 40 station where I grew up that was building the world's largest meatball in the parking lot. And I just thought that was the coolest thing I had ever heard in my life. I was about nine. I go, I got to do this. I have to meet these people. And at the time, Radio Shack was in existence. And I used to buy these microphones that would broadcast over like basically the educational band of FM in that lower 90s range. Okay. And I bought two. And I would tape commercials off the radio and then I would make my younger brother and sister listen. And then I would run up while a song was playing to make sure they were listening because you had to hear me on the radio. Uh, that was the way I tortured them. And I, I just always liked radio. I, I thought for a while I would do television or TV news, but I just never felt 
confident enough to do that. You know, it's so interesting that you say radio is one of those things where because people can't see you, right? Right. And I've been doing radio with Wheeze now for I think it's close to nine years. Uh-huh. And there have been times, and I'm sure this has happened to you uh, too, Billy, where you say something on the radio and then you might come home and some of your family members might say, why did you, why did you mention that? But it's, it's so interesting because you forget that you're just, when you're on the radio, you've almost forget because you're sitting around a table with like four of your best friends, just having a conversation. I think that, that those are the kind of shows that I always liked. It was almost as though you were eavesdropping on great friends or you were part of their conversation and wheels. I have had, epic battles. I've had family members threaten to sue me. I've had certified mail from family members telling me that I need to not talk about certain things on the radio. And over the years, you start to kind of realize, you know, where you're stepping into stuff. And the worst is, and yet the best, is now you can listen to things from anywhere, right? So I've got family around the country and I'll I'll get a, hey, I heard, I heard what you said about so-and-so. And, uh, Sometimes it gets back. So, yeah, I mean, you got to, but you're right. You kind of forget, especially when you're doing that kind of radio. Right. Yeah. It's tell me, it's got to be kind of a full circle moment for you because you were with Wheeze back in the CMF days and now back with him now. So just tell me in a little bit more uh, broader scale, but how has radio changed over the years? since you started to where we are now, how has it changed? I think that now um, spoken word is more valuable than ever. I think that's the uniqueness of radio versus the music. I think now the delivery system has changed. You always hear people say, well, radio is not the same. It's not, it, it, it's not, everything is, is pretty much the same. I mean, if you look at some of the most successful podcasts and things are structured along a radio show. These are not people that but you don't just show up. I know that because you, you do prep for you interview people and you do all that. Right. And I think that those are the ones that are going to be the most successful, but that that's where radio has changed. And the delivery system has changed. The fact that you can listen. I, I mean, iHeart owns hundreds of radio stations across the country. I'm on right now. Uh, doing classic rock shows so the other day i i think it was around seven o'clock at night but i knew i was going to be on in bakersfield california i could pull that station up on the iHeartRadio app and listen listen to what i had recorded because they need those shows in like two days in advance right so I'm sort of pulling back the curtain here a little bit but that's but that's how they do it so i'm on a bunch of their stations um usually just on weekends but i do fill in as well so i was doing middays or afternoon drive over the past two weeks wow uh, it's interesting because can you, do you remember back to those early Wheeze days when you were on the show? Mm-hmm. What were, what was, what was that like? Because you were, you were sitting in, in a room with brother Wheeze and Tommy Muley, and, uh, there was some, there was some radio magic that happened there. Do you, are there any uh, memories that you look back on and you say, man, that was, that was something I'll never forget. Yes, I think that there were some of the funniest moments um, I ever experienced maybe in my life with, with the radio or just out in life. We I had we were a close-knit group, and Tommy and I were very, very close. And we did a lot of um, we did a lot a lot of stuff. I think some of the most memorable though were maybe things like going to the Montreal Comedy Fest and broadcasting from there 
with all the comics and things were, were fun. Uh, the guests that would come up, sometimes there would be some epic battles where, you know, a comedian and another personality on the station at the time got into it on the Wii show. Um, there was there was a lot of fun moments. It, it felt like it was um, maybe a little more free form. But again, I think there were, you know, I, I don't know that much has changed other than there are more options now. So you've got a more fragmented audience where people have more right. choices to do. Um, but I still think that the magic of radio, you can you can capture that. You can still get that. Yeah, and I, and I think I think you guys do a good job of it, and I try to fill in where I can on, mm-hmm. on Fridays. Are you one of these guys like me that hates to hear their voice on the radio, or do you like to? Because I can't like when I hear my voice on the radio, Bill. I'm like, oh my god, why why did they let me why did they let me have a microphone and talk? Well, I've been doing this so long that no, I'm okay now, but I know what you mean. I used to have to sit with program directors and listen back to tape. So it would just be you and the boss in a room and you would have to listen and they would critique you or tell you, you know, do this or don't do this. That was where I always thought, oh, I sounded horrible. But then now as time's gone on, you 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 kind of find your own natural sound, I think. Right. uh, You know, you just are who you are. So no, I, I, anymore, no, I don't. Right. I don't. There wasn't. Sometimes I don't recognize my voice wheels. Really? <laughs> or or I've mistaken. I'm like, I don't remember. To, oh, that's not me. <laughs> it's somebody else. So I, I think those, those things happen. But I now it's been so long, you know, that I don't. Right. Because, I, I mean, I've been doing this since I was 19. 19. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. It is a long and to, to, be, to be in one market for such a long time, too, that's very unheard of uh, well, for someone like you and Weez. Yeah, I had opportunities to leave, and um, I just I didn't. Uh, even you know, even just to go close to someplace like Buffalo, and I just I didn't want to do it. And I I, right. you know, I had friends here. I got to college here. Um, my parents were teachers, so there wasn't moving around. I think if I came from like more of a transient, where my dad worked in the job, where you know you maybe you moved every five to six years or so. I, I don't know. I just, I, I liked it here. I stayed here. Um, I have my family here. I have three sons. Um, you know, so it, it's just became yeah. home. What, what is, uh, because I also know you dabble a little bit in comedy and I've seen yeah. you do some stand-up comedy. And when I uh, announced that you were going to be on the podcast, Paula Zach had a question. She wanted to know, she thought she had heard that you had done some writing for other uh, comedians. Is this true? I, um, yes, I, I wrote for just some, from some friends of mine, but I wrote for a little while when I was on Weezy's show, there was, we get things called prep services. And so they'll send you jokes and stuff like that. And so in exchange for getting national lampoon is what it was. They had their own prep service. I used to write some jokes for that once in a while and they would, they would pick up a couple jokes, but I never wrote on a consistent basis for anybody. Right. Talk to me a little bit about the difference between because you've you've dabbled in stand up a little bit, and you're you're going to be hosting the funniest person in Rochester contest coming up at Comedy at the Carlson. Tell me, I'd like to have a conversation about this because we both done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from your perspective, what is the what is the biggest difference other than they can? It's actually people looking at you with their eyeballs. That's probably the biggest difference. 
But what is it about comedy that that it seems that radio radio people gravitate towards that so so well? Um, well, for me, I would say that radio and especially the stuff like we do, right? You're you have an ensemble show with Wheeze, and then Tools and I have an ensemble show. You know, and Dale's in there. Um, so you, even if so, you're never really out there on the edge by yourself. Somebody's right. having a conversation, right? Somebody's always going to kind of play with you as you go. I think that for stand-up comedy, what I loved about it was, to me, it is the purest form of art that you can get. It is just you and a microphone, and there's nobody else. There's not a band behind you that if you miss a note or you or you sing off key slightly that someone can cover. It's right. not a play where somebody can feed you a line. It is right. you. It's your thoughts. And it's, and you're, I mean, you got to really think about this for a moment, you know, and I, I maybe I'm, I'm revealing too much here, but you got to have a bit of an ego to go, Hey, I can make this entire room laugh. You, you, you know? absolutely do. You do. And you got to be able, but I think that, um, I would say that what makes a great comedian is I would say almost I, I fearless seems like too big a word, but maybe someone who just doesn't care. They'll make the joke and it, it, and anybody who's offended or whatever, be damned. And most right. of the time you can take, you should be able to take it with a wink and a smile. Like I, I love, there's nothing more wheels that I love than busting balls. I love to bust balls. But if I think I've hurt somebody's feelings, then that's not fun for me. I don't right. like, I don't right. like. So I would rather, but that's the thing I always loved about comedy was a lot of times it was those kind of guys that you were you were hanging out with it was all the it was every jerk i ever went to i gravitated towards those were my friends in high school those were it was my dad to a certain degree that was my buddies in college and so right. i always just kind of like that the, so the difference is to me that you're you're out there on the edge and there's and there's nobody there to save you there is no net no, that is no, for sure that's it. and so when you die man you eat it on stage you eat it on stage there's i've had moments i've had some real moments where but you know what? As you get, I don't know if it's an age thing or a mindset thing, you start to realize that it's not the end of the world and you can you can pull out of anything and we're all human beings. And if you can kind of almost laugh at yourself, everybody can take it a little. You just, you just can't take it so seriously. It's so funny you say that because I do a lot of, when I'm on stage, I do a lot of self-deprecating humor. Uh-huh. And there are times. People don't know whether to laugh sometimes. Well, this is, this is what I'm about to say to you is, there have been times where I've had to point back at the a logo and say, it's a comedy show. It's okay to <laughs> laugh. If I'm making the joke, it's okay. And, uh, you know, then it, then it loosens the crowd up a little bit. But I, I remember the first time I went up on stage and I, and I don't know if you remember the first time you did it. Did you do? Did you used to travel around with Weez when he did his comedy? His comedy. Well, show? Some of the stuff. I think some of the first times it was with. Um, I did do that, but that was after I had done it for a little bit. I ha I would go out with Tommy. With Tommy. Yeah, Tommy would get booked on a on a show somewhere, and he'd bring me along, and and we'd do it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time I did it. I was on the Weez show on a Friday morning, and two comedians came in, and they're like, "You're funny." You should come do stand up. And of course, the first thing I said to them was, it's the lamest joke in the world. But I said, you boys do realize I can't stand up, right? I mean, that's that's half the battle, right? 
And I think what made it so good for me that first time was because I didn't, I just went there and just did it. Right. Yeah. You didn't the, think the next, about it enough. Yeah, I didn't think about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. The next, the next time I did it because it wasn't spur of the moment and it was planned, you know, I was, I was in the mirror practicing and, mm-hmm. and I almost overdid it. And yeah. I had friends coming and I was on stage with a, a friend of ours, Earl David Reed. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and uh, I'll never forget. It seemed I, I went long because I was bombing so bad that I lost track of time. Right. Yeah. And I'll never forget coming off that stage and thinking to myself, I don't ever want to do that again. And uh, do that again or do do it like that again. I, I for a moment, I don't think I ever wanted to do comedy again. I've done it again. Yeah. But I definitely didn't want that feeling again, for sure. Right. Yeah. So it was it's. I tell people it's the scariest and most exhilarating thing you can do all at the 100%. same time. 100%. There's nothing better than those first laughs that you get when you're on stage. Right. I will admit that. I, I mean, I know some people who are addicted to fame, like pretty famous guys who have told me uh, they are addicted to that that attention. Yeah, it's the drug. It's the it, it is. It's the drug. I mean, and and you know that that sometimes can make it hard for people to be in relationships and everything else because. Someone is always on, right? And right. somebody who's got the fame, trying to always keep the fame, is is tough. Now, clearly, that's not you know where you or I are, are at. But there is something about being on stage and making people laugh. That's a real power. You in the moment are like kind of the most powerful person in that room, right? And even and and this isn't. It's going to sound for a moment like we're, we're patting ourselves on the back here, but. Even, even for oh, I us, suck. I mean, most of the time it's crickets when I'm up there. I'm not patting anything. No, out. no, no. You're good, my friend. I listen. I got to see you mm-hmm. be the host of four shows, yeah, four or five shows for the funny. And I and I literally said I'd never seen you perform before, right? And, and that also is a tough spot to be in because well, there when, when I'm seeing... in front of com- you're performing in front of our other comics. Yeah, well, there you weren't really. I always figured when I MC that stuff, it's not about me. There, you know, people have come to see their friend right. try to win this contest. When I do other stuff, it, it's a little more, you can do a little more material, you know? Right. That, yeah. Most of that stuff is either just playing with the crowd, bringing the people up, just trying to move the show along and keep it light. And the other thing is, as you know, because you judged it last year, I always, a friend of mine always had a saying, comedy is hard, dying is easy. And you saw some people eat it on stage. Oh, So yes. one of the things I would always do is try to come up and say to the crowd, hey, let's give them a big round of applause because this is something that you really are putting yourself out on the ledge here, on the mm-hmm. edge, to stand up here and tell these jokes. And I always will say, there's no band, nobody here to cover up. These people are out here. It's just them and a microphone. And the fact that they had the balls to get out there and try it, I think is fantastic. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And if you get a chance, uh, go on down to comment the Carlson for the funniest person in Rochester contest. contest. Go cheer. Yeah. Go cheer. Yeah. There's a prize at the end of it. I, the big prize at the end of it. And go on and cheer these people on. Cause they're working hard for it. Bill. I got to talk to you now about the Detulio Moran show. Okay. Because you guys seem to have such a great chemistry you and you and 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 Johnny, uh, the well, who I like to call the Rain Man of Sports. Absolutely. What is what is it about? What is it about uh, 
the two of you together, if you could, if you if you had to sum it up, what it, what's the secret sauce there with you and John? Because it seems so effortless. The secret sauce is that we like each other, and right. and I think that that's a big thing. I would say that um, think of all your relationships. You know, you can. Um, I was married. You know, you can have relationships but if you don't at the bottom at the bottom level if there isn't like a, a, a respect and a like eventually those things don't necessarily work now i'm not saying anything about in my past relationships or a marriage that may or may not have worked i just uh but that i think that's the big thing for john and i so at the time they had brother wees in the morning and yes. they had gotten kimberly and beck and had them in the afternoon and they were still playing music in the middle of the day. And uh, I was, I had left CMF. I had just kind of, could be me, maybe not, but I had kind of had my fill with the management over there. And I right. was at odds and there was something I was trying to do and it wasn't working out. And I didn't like the way they were always treating me. It wasn't bad. It was just, you know. Uh, yeah. Little, little, little more edge to me than maybe little, yeah. little behind the scenes politics, probably right. There's yeah, there was some stuff that I, I just, it just, it was always frustrating to me, and I felt like there was a little bit more. So I took a, a chance and I came over to iHeart to go to the Drive well, at the time, which is now Country One Hundred Point Five. But at the time, it was the Drive, and uh, I'd never done really music radio in a long time. I mean, it had been part of the Wee Show, and then after Wee's left, Tommy and I did the show. So uh, for five years and I hadn't played music and I certainly had never played music for women. You know what I mean? Right. And um, so all of a sudden now they had, uh, you know, I've got to try to figure out how to do this. And for the first time I decided to listen to management. Well, that wasn't going well for me because <laughs> they wanted you to talk for two minutes and I, I couldn't figure this out. And I just felt like the person they put me with, there wasn't a real, you know, like how you say, John and I have this, this chemistry. I didn't have it with this person. So we right. went through a, a couple of different people. And then um, Kevin Legret got hired out in Los Angeles and they were looking for somebody out there. So they flew me out and there was a woman and her name is Ellen Kay. And uh, I think I'm, I think I can talk about this now because at the time I, it was like a no, I had to sign this thing. They said I couldn't talk about it for five years, but I think it was longer than five years ago. So, you know, iHeart out in L.A. is right behind the old Tonight Show building. So really? when Alan took over the Tonight Show, it came back to New York. So iHeart bought that and they made it the iHeart studio. So they had the performances in there and everything. Sure. So Alan Kay had been with a, a guy named Rick Dees. And then when Rick left and ryan seacrest came in she stayed on with ryan so they had decided they were going to give her her own show it was going to be the ellen k show in mornings on uh their soft rock station and it's called coast k-o-s-t and they wanted somebody who had a little bit more of an edge and could also do some producing stuff so i went out there and uh i met with ellen at a coffee shop and i went to dinner and breakfast with all these executives and then she and I went into the Tonight Show building. They had a, a studio in there and they just had us like they would play the end of a song and we would just talk. And they, you know, they liked it. They had a few other people they were looking at. And then they kind of threw an offer at me. And I'm like, at the time, you know, I have I had three boys uh, right. and I go, I 
don't think I can move out there for this. And somebody calls me up and goes, yeah, but you're in L.A. You could do a game show. You could you do stand up. You could go to I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no guarantee. Do you know how many people are trying to get a game show? Do you know how many? Right. So I, uh, I I came back and I go, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to happen here because I could see, you know, having been in radio, uh, I was probably going to lose that gig at the drive. It was starting to, you know, it's like I was driving it right into the wall. So I uh, I went to a, they had a Christmas party and John and I were talking and we started just kind of riffing back and forth and he's laughing and some people were standing around and they're laughing and the boss heard us and he pulled us in and said, hey, uh, I want to make that station all talk. How about you guys do middays? And I went, uh, yeah, great. And so we did and I knew it was going to work, but I, I like John and then I had... You know, I had experience with John from the Wii show. He and I have become pretty friendly then. Right. And of course, you know, just like life goes on, he he left and started doing the sports thing. He actually came to me when he was on the Wii show and he got a um a call from what was then Hot Talk, you know, now Fox Sports 1280. Yeah. And he said to me, Hey, I got this offer. What do you think? And I said, If that's what you want to do, those offers don't come along all that often. Grab it, take it. You're great. You gotta at take it. it. And so he took it and went over there and then you know, and here we are all back. And I'll tell you, out of all the radio shows I've ever done, um, that's my favorite. Yeah. And you guys just riff off of each other very well. And uh, and uh, do you, are you still amazed at Johnny's uh, knowledge of sports? Because it's still nine amazed, years later, I'm still amazed. I'm amazed at, yeah, it goes, the sports stuff is unbelievable. I always love to just throw out a year and go, who won the Super Bowl MVP? 1976 right. and he'll spit right. it out um but i'm amazed at it's it goes a little bit beyond that with john and it's a funny thing because i always wonder like you know how people go ah, i'm not really good at school or i wasn't good in this this class i think that was not somebody's interest you know what i mean john's right. interest in sports and and but beyond sports even history the guy loves history stuff he loves politics he loves old so he would, you know, all those things he he sucks in. And we were just talking on the Wii show. His daughter is taking a few classes, early classes at Penn State to get ahead. They gave the freshman an option to get ahead and kind of get used to college life. So he went down and, and moved her in this past weekend. And uh, he said as he was moving her in the dorm, her life flashed before his eyes. And I said, that's where having a great memory sucks. Because you remember every single thing. I go, I have three kids. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I, I don't. Right. I don't remember first words. I don't remember. You know, so I mean, there are certain things I remember, but he, John, right. remembers almost specific in detail. He could tell you. He's one of the, there are people, you ever see these people wheels that, that something happened? I don't know if they hit their head or whatever, and they can remember what day. They they remember everything. You'll see. Yeah, they have like a photographic memory, and the it's the weirdest thing. Like they everything. They remember everything. What they ate for lunch, you know, on June fifth, uh, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Go, oh, oh. But I think for John, like I always tease him. I go, "That's fantastic. It's a great thing. I bet your wife loves it when you forget the milk." You know, you, you went <laughs> right. to breakfast, you did all that, and you, and you left something that was that she really needed. Whatever right. she was making or whatever. So I, I always bust his chops on that. But yeah, the guy's impressive. It's it's yeah. it's unbelievable. I've never seen it. Yeah. Seen it. What you've done, you've had with all the radio you've done, you've done a lot of interview. You've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of comedians, a lot of mm -hmm. uh, musicians. Uh, 
people like that. Can you recall some of your favorite interviews that you've done? There were a couple that I that will always stand out to me. One of them was Tom Arnold, because um, Tom Arnold was talking. Uh, he was I, I, in the studio with us, and he's talking about how he was at college and he used to take other guys' acts, like traveling comics through, and then he would get up and do it, open up in front of guys, and he got pretty good and he started writing his own jokes. And one guy goes, Hey, you know what? You should come out to Minnesota. Uh, there's a club out there and yeah, whenever you're ready. So Tom goes and throws like, that's it. He quits school, throws all his stuff and he's heading out to Minnesota and he shows up at this club and the guy's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I didn't, I didn't think you were coming now. And I look at him and I go, that sounds, cause I have a kid who's kind of like that. And I've, you know, I've been through a lot of the what's on the spectrum type stuff. And he, and I said, I go, well, what? I go, that that's pretty impulsive. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, I was one of the first people ever diagnosed with Asperger's. And I went, yep. <laughs> but he admit I had never I was like, I've never heard that. And I think it was one of the first places he said he ever said it was it was just in a conversation because I could pick up right. on that. And I remember that really stood out to me. And then, you know, he said he kept showing up at the club. They made him a doorman. That's where he met Roseanne. And, right. You know, from there, I mean, he's an interesting, odd guy, but interesting, right? But I think that's what makes some of the, the greatest people because they're a little Absolutely. quirky. 100%. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, look, Elon Musk. I mean, that, that's a, right. a weird cat, but we've got some cool stuff. Uh, I always enjoyed talking to Gilbert Gottfried. That was one of my favorite people. Uh, Gilbert once just told me a hysterical story about, you know, one of the worst, I always think one of the worst gigs you could get is opening up for a musician right it just seems tough because you know with comedy the great thing about doing comedy in a comedy club is people are coming to laugh when i'm going to see a musician i'm not going to laugh i want to see whoever's i want to see bruce i don't want to see bruce bruce before bruce open it up now sometimes Cher would have a, a comic but it almost feels like her audience is a little more accepting so I guess Gilbert was out there with the Go-Go's and it's all, he looks out one day and he goes, what am I doing? It's all like young tween girls and their moms. And he just got as filthy as he possibly could. And they threw him off the tour. Yeah. But that yeah, just that... made me laugh. But he, he was very good. I, there's been a lot of interesting people over the years that, if I had a Detulio memory, I would come up with something better. Well, I'll tell you the one that you just recently did that I really enjoyed yeah. was the one with uh, Don McLean. Oh, Don McLean was good. Yeah. Don yeah, McLean. that was that was a great interview. Yeah. How much? So take people behind the curtain a little bit. Pull the curtain back just a little bit. When you do an interview like that, right? Uh, we you get offered the interview, uh, uh, like the We Show get offered an interview, and you either say yes, we want to do it, or no, we're not going to do. It. But how much? How much research do you do, knowing that you're going to be the guy doing the interview? How much research do you do for each interview? A ton. A ton. A ton. Yeah. I I do a lot of prep because I always figure that a lot of times, especially in they like to call it we'll call it talk, right? But the a holes that run radio spoken word is the is the what they'll call the format, but. Everybody's kind of talking about the same thing. So how how are you going to talk about it and and do it differently? So I I will sometimes John I'll show you something. 
Never shown anybody this. Okay. Laugh at me, but I have. I have to be careful here. Let's see what how much shows. But I have a uh, a whiteboard, and I I will treat things out on my whiteboard. Oh, look at that! Which makes everybody laugh. But if I'm gonna if we're gonna talk about something and you throw out a topic, I'll usually just go okay. So I'll try to come up with twelve different ideas, and somewhere around eight, you'll find something a little more unique than. Let me see if I get my camera right. That then other people are going to talk about. You know what I mean? Right. Let's say yeah. everybody's going to talk about. Well, today the big thing was Jose Pio and his podcast that he had somebody from city council come on and say something that would be, uh, I guess, the polite way to say was crass, right? Crass about right. another council member and what they would do, and uh, you know, without getting into too much. Well, if everybody's going to talk about, it, how are you going to talk about that? That's going to be different. And, and relatable and what guests could you get to maybe add to that subject and well how do i bring in how here's how here's the one thing wheels that i always think and i really really try to think of this and sometimes i feel like i i, I don't do as good a job um because i'm i'm doing a lot of things lately so i'm not maybe giving as much attention but how do i get how do i make the person on 490 am i allowed to swear yes okay how <laughs> well, uh, this is a podcast we can say whatever we want how do I get the person on 490 to give a shit? Right. What What's going to reach them? What's going to reach them? How How am I going to make them give a shit? You know. And what's go, What's almost going to make them to take it a step farther? What's almost going to make them uh, be maybe five to ten minutes late walking into work because they're yeah. they really want to hear what you're what you're saying? Right. So that that's another good thing. And the other thing is to always remember too. Think about your own life, especially like in the morning. People get, you know, it's like the old Beatles song, get up, get out of bed, drag a chrome across my head, grab my coffee, I'm out the door. But the thing is, like, people have a routine. So to get them to interact with you, I think you've moved the needle. When someone takes the time to text you or call you to be part of what you're talking about, that's what's great. But I think that the great thing is radio is, is a community, right? You get everybody talking and you hear different voices, whether it be a caller or Weeze or Deanna or, you know, whomever's on the show. That's what makes it it fun and the different perspectives on things. Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I want to ask you, th this was not a question I, I was planning on asking, but I'm I, I, it just popped in my head and, and I have a tendency when it pops in my head, I got to get it out. So I'm yeah. going to ask, how do, you, how do you deal with, Bill, how do you deal with haters? Uh, um, so I don't, again, I, I think it's gotten to, a point where I'm older now, right? So right. thing I just kind of go, oh, whatever. Uh yeah, but we all are human, so some things can get under my skin, but I I those things don't bother me as much. And most of the time I've noticed lately, people don't hate as much. There's a few. You'll have mm -hmm. a couple, there'll be a couple, right? But for the most part, most people are nice. And if they text something in in real time about something I said that they didn't like instead of going well F you man you know or whatever I usually now kind of step back and go all right did I go too far did I kind of piss people off I mean I know what I'm you know I'm gonna walk a line because I know right. what's entertaining I know what's gonna make people a little bit uncomfortable I I kind of know that and I love doing that. I mean, I love nothing more since I was a kid of just pushing the envelope as far as I could without knocking it off the edge. But I think sometimes when something comes in, if it goes 
too far or somebody feels really hurt by it, then I, I'll back off. I mean, I, I'm just as a, a silly example, I think I've probably made fat jokes and people wrote in what a what a jerk I was or right something like that. And so sometimes I'll go, I'll try to back off and then I give it about a week and then I do another fat joke. No, and you do another. It's just interesting. The reason the reason I asked that is because when I first started doing radio with Wheeze, mm -hmm. uh, and after I tell this story, I want to tell the first time that you and I met. And I don't even know if you remember the very first time we met, but I can't wait to get to that because there's a story behind that. Uh, but why when am I, I first, comfortable? No, 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 no. What did it's I do? <laughs> no, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't. You I didn't. say something like, "Hey, who's the Muppet in the chair?" No. Well, it might have been something like that, but you didn't do anything wrong. It was more, you didn't know I was showing up that day. It, it was one of those okay. things. It was one of those things. It was a party in the park. I walked up to Wee, said I listened to the show. He said, bro, my call screener's out tomorrow. Why don't you come be my call screener? And I said, I'm not very good at typing. He said, oh, just come sit on the show. And I showed up at the, the uh, lobby area over at uh, your old station and you, you came down and got me and you just didn't know I was coming, but how many times Weez does that a lot. He, he often, that's the greatest thing about Weez is he finds diamonds in the rough and people that are interesting. And he says, I want you up. He, he has no problem sharing the microphone. No, I, I agree with that. I think that Weez is probably one of the best guys to learn how to do this from without him ever teaching you. Right. If he's isn't going to go, Hey Brad, this is how you do it. He's just going to do it. And either you're going to absorb kind of how he does things. And, and, you know, everybody, I mean, the greatest thing you can always be is authentic. So, right. And that was something that I learned from Weez. Believe yeah. it or not, because I, like I said to you in the beginning, you know, I, I had, uh, a, a weird childhood. I had some things happen to me that I didn't want people to know about. So I, I wasn't confident in the way I looked. I felt like I couldn't. So I, I, I didn't want to do news. And then also TV news got too serious and I didn't like serious. I like fun. Right. And radio was fun and this kind of radio was fun. So this is what I always wanted to pursue. Um, and then maybe if I was a little more confident in myself, I mean, I think I had very low to no self-esteem from a lot, you know, especially when I was younger that I, right. I maybe I would have done, tried, tried to do a television thing, you know, something right. like that. But I, I just did not have the confidence to do that at all. Yeah. It's easier to be uh, a little bit behind the microphone and hundred percent. Now yeah. look what we're doing right now. We're on cameras all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the world has changed that. What were you going to ask me? Uh, well, just with the haters, it was interesting because when I started with Wheeze, uh, you know, 96%, 97% of the people, uh, and this sounds like I'm uh, patting myself on the back, but 90%, 97% of the people I deal with love, have, love that I'm on on Fridays and love hearing me on my podcast and all that stuff. But there's a couple people that love to hate. So the reason I asked you about the haters is because when I first started, I had trouble with that. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know how to deal with it. And even to this day, like I'm getting better with it. Like I don't respond. And like, if they send a message on my Facebook page, I just block them and, and get rid of, you know, cause I don't need the negativity, but that's why I asked because 
it is difficult when you're just out there. I mean, I've had people say to me, the only reason you're on the show is because you're in a wheelchair. And I, I, I laugh at that because I say, yeah, the real, the way I got on the show was because I told some good wheelchair jokes. Right. And we thought they were funny and come up on the show. But here I am eight years later. It's not about the wheelchair anymore. No, it's not. I, I, I think that. So when it comes to haters, um, I have, I was always very sensitive to that stuff. I mean, I can tell you, like, there was a time when I was on CMF and I was doing afternoons and they were letting me kind of do my own thing. And I was taking calls and, you know, in between records and stuff, but a lot more talk than they had had. And 95.1 was the nerve at the time. And they had, they piped in two guys from somewhere across the country and whoever was here their boss over here sent him a bunch of stuff about me making fun of me making fun of my wife all this stuff and i was getting really upset like and my wife was upset and i there was i mean honest to god wheels i gave it so much power by i didn't sleep then these guys called me and back then the phone you had a phone that would ring internally if it was someone in the building in the studio and then there was um the listener line so they called me and they said eh, and they started i go i know who this is if you want to call me call me on the listener line so i can put you on my air and right. they they were nothing i mean once uh, they went we went toe to toe with stuff and i said here's i just played the conversation as it happened and i knew they would be a day later because they were taping it and then sending it over right and they were going to edit it and they did but I was able to, it kind of gave me a little more confidence in, okay, I'm all right. These guys aren't going to do anything. And then to be honest with you, over the years, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that I was, you know, I had a, not an abused childhood, but there were things that you were kind of, you just sort of built a tougher skin. And then on top of that, I do a lot of weird stuff to start my day. I do things like, cold showers and these wild breathing things, exercises, and I meditate and I do all that. And I'm telling you, it's almost like it kind of protects you a little bit. There's nothing that can happen. I figure this as I've gotten older. You can't control anything. Life's always going to come at you. People are always going to come at you. They're all going to have their opinions. But if they're talking about you, good or bad, mm. well, that you're registering, right? The worst right. thing can be is the color of the walls behind me, beige. You don't want to be beige in life. That's what we paint right. our walls when we're trying to sell our house. Right. You know, like a little color, a little pizzazz. So right. I think that's a good thing. And the other thing is that the only thing you can control is you. The only person right. who can make you happy is you. That's right. it. That's it. Yeah. That's it's, 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 it is really well, great people, advice. Right. But those people are going to come at you, you know, no matter what. And you just can't, you can't react to it. You, you, yeah. You know, you give because them if you, if, and if you react to it, you're almost letting them win mm-hmm. yep. because they want the reaction. Right. But I'm saying that as a as a middle aged guy, when I was 24, 25, I, I, I wasn't good at that. I wasn't right. good at that. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. And it is great advice. And and I, I, I just like to tell people just don't hate on each other. Just everybody, there's this world is big enough for everybody. Well, the world is big enough for everybody, but everybody's going through something. Have right. a little, you know, empathy. That's why a lot of times, even if someone snaps at you, you know, it's usually not you. It's usually right. something that's happening to them or in their life. And he, but it takes a long time to, to see that. 
you start getting good at life when it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, man, I figured this shit out. Bye-bye. <laughs> I've always told people they wouldn't call – if it was easy, they wouldn't call it life. They'd call it vacation. Yeah, but that's how life should be. We make it too hard. We get ourselves all up in here and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, you don't need to yeah. Be. And, I, and I'm good – I'm good at that too. And that, but that's why I asked you the question. And I asked Weez the question when I had him on the podcast, because uh, guys that have been in the business way longer than I've been doing it have different ways of handling it. What did he say, Wheels? Because he's very sensitive to that stuff. Well, I, I, I'd have to go back and listen to the podcast again, but I think it was, he is very sensitive to it and he admitted it. And, but he also said like, you have to learn at some point, even though you can be sensitive to it. Like he'll put a, he even said, I'll put a guy on the air. That's a hater. I'd rather, I'd rather have a, I believe what he said is I'd rather have a conversation with my hater than have them, you know, nowadays in radio, what we deal with is keyboard warriors, right? Yeah, Well, well, we like the interaction and uh, it's a testament to you because this podcast has gotten more comments than many of my podcasts because we're having such are we a live great right now. We are live, but it's Tuesday. I'm doing, but I'm doing it live. It's Wednesday. That's when it comes out live on iHeart. Or it comes the recording comes I out. Got you. Okay. And besides, if I didn't have a concert and you didn't have a concert, yeah, uh, we would have done it on a Wednesday. I got you. Uh, yep. So, but. You know, he said, I'd love to be able to talk to my haters and have a conversation as to why you don't like me. And and we could talk about it. You know, you're taking like, for example, this person that doesn't thinks I'm only on the radio because I'm in a wheelchair. You're probably only listening to a snippet of what I say on the radio. And it might, you know, it might only be that little snippet. Right. That's one of the biggest problems with radio is that people are only listening for you know, a, a segments of time. I mean, like we said, especially in the morning, you've got your routine, you got to get out the door, you got to, you have places and deadlines right. to meet, right? You got to be at work by a certain time. You may catch something and it could be slightly out of context and that could upset people. So you always right. just got to kind of play that. I, I've gotten mad. I've yelled. I used to yell wheels. I don't know what's happened over there. I just figured eh, that's all right. But I used to yell and fight and do all this stuff. And I don't know that that we're in a world where we need that anymore, right? You know, right. But that was one of my my things. So I was. I it took me a long time. Now I I don't even respond sometimes when I see negative text. I just figure, okay, right. You know, or if it's if it's a criticism of something that I said, like I said to you, I, I may step back and go, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or hey, I've even come on and gone. You know what? I want to apologize. Earlier today, I said, blah blah. John, what are you doing? Why why are you doing that? Who cares? Right. You know, and I'll go, well, I don't, I never want to leave somebody with, I mean, that's my thing is I don't like to hurt people, but I love to bust balls. God, I, as long as somebody's in on the joke, that's, that's the fun part. Right. You know, right. to your point. So I don't remember you coming into screen calls. Was it me? Are you sure it was me and not Paul? Yeah, I, I, because I did, because I didn't screen calls that day. It was, yes, it was you. It was, and the, it was, old, it was the old show. Like, it was the old show, and I'll tell you're gonna know when I say this, you're gonna exactly know at least the time frame when it was. It was the summer of Tommy because he was going through oh the divorce. Uh, the divorce. Yeah. And and I and I came up and I sat in on the show and from the mo- and this is 
it was very interesting when you said you always knew you wanted to do radio. Mm-hmm. Because when I was a little kid, I had a WKRP in Cincinnati, little DJ setup. And I used yeah. to sit in my li- living room and pretend I was a DJ with my little setup at like seven years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I also used to pretend I was like Don Elhart doing the United Cerebral Palsy Telethon. Uh, but those were my earliest memories. But I remember being in that studio that very first time. Okay. And I remember walking out of that studio saying, this is something I need to, I need to find a way to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Now that was years before I became a regular on the Wii show. I then went to play poker one night and happened to sit next to brother Wheeze and we were just talking. And I think one of the things that helped me was a lot of people, when they talk to brother Wheeze, you know, they talk, they automatically talk about radio. Right. And, Oh, bro, I could do radio. It's easy. I, I, I could do what you do. You know, I didn't I didn't approach it that way. To me, Weez was just a guy and mm-hmm. I was just talking poker with him and telling stories. And then I he invited me back on the show. But that was like 10 years after the first time I was on the show. And I often have said to people, I don't think that the first time I did the show, I would have been able to do what I'm doing now because I wasn't ready for it. I was a young kid. I, you know, I didn't have opinions about things, which is what you need to have when we do what yeah, we do. Sure. Right. So I think it's all about timing, right. And all about uh, seizing the opportunity as well. Yeah. Seizing the opportunity is a big one. I mean, that, that was always something I would tell anybody to do. Uh, I was just thinking though, where I don't remember. And I thought, I hope I didn't do something bad when you came up or, or made you. No, you didn't. But you I gotta say, like, so to to your point, there is a guy in town, and I had him tell the story on the radio. But he's pretty well known, uh, been on the We Show a ton. So back in the old days, we would have Jack Garner in to re- review movies. Then right. we'd have the comedian coming in. Then We would probably sometimes have a band, and Friday shows would just get out of control. And right. so We says to me on a Thursday, "Bro, what's going on tomorrow?" And so I'm running down all this stuff. And then he goes, oh, and I forgot to tell you, Elvio's coming up. And I'm just thinking there's like no room. And I let out into the microphone and it was taken. But again, imagine you're Elvio and you're driving down the road. I went, oh, wheeze. Right. And he goes, so, and then Elvio was so upset. Like he, he would thought I didn't want him there. It wasn't that it was that wheeze would basically shit up a show with all these people. And then he would turn to me and go, right. You got to triage. You got to get some of these people. (laughs) You invited all these fucking people, Weez. What are you doing? No, I gotta be the bad guy. Right. What do you do? And that would be that would be how that would go. But then poor Elvio. So it it was like a while. I think like he was always a little. And one time, uh, Detulio was off, and I had Elvio in, and he told the story, and he did it so well. And I I apologize, but he said I'm driving, and I hear he goes all I hear through the speakers is, oh, <laughs> I right. go that wasn't what it was. But that's how Weeds would do it. Yeah, bro, come on up. He would invite people up. He'd forget he invited them up. And then he'd pull me yeah. like, you got to get him out of here. Well, what, what? I didn't invite him in. But that, right. that's, that was always the fun with him, to be well, honest. It was fun. Yeah. And it's funny because I'll, I'll piggyback off that story. Uh, Weeze is the one that gave me, he said to me uh, way back when I met him at a uh, party in the, it was, didn't they call it party in the parking lot? Because it was actually yes, in a parking yes. lot for a while, right? Parking lot for a while, yeah. Yeah, and they had the they had the van, and 
and he was, you know, he was there with the van or the big tour bus, whatever you guys had there for that station. Yes, the, at the uh, time. mobile home of rock and roll. Yes, the mobile home of rock and roll. And I'll never forget, my dad was a big We Show listener, and he said, I want you to meet Brother We. So he brought me up to him, and We says to me, Brah, I can't do the impression like you do. By the way, you do some great impressions. Your impression of Wee's and Tools, spot on. But he said, Brah, I'm never going to remember your name, so I'm just going to call you Wheels. Well, I went I went up and did the show that Friday. And then the following Friday, I think you were in Montreal at the Comedy Festival. Yeah, okay, yep. Okay? And I don't know if you're going to remember this, but a guy in a wheelchair came rolling in, and he Wee says, oh, bro, God. I'm I'm never going to remember your name, so I'm just going to call you Wheels. Except this Wheels was trying to become a porn star. I don't remember that guy. Yeah, this guy this guy was trying to was trying to get into porn. So now all my friends are calling me up on the phone going, "Are you in Montreal and are you trying to get into porn?" <laughs> well, when we were in Montreal, Wheels, we all went out to breakfast at this uh egg place. It was like I don't remember. It was some place that's well known in Montreal, and everybody was excited to go there. But it was in a mall, so it was you kind of entered through the mall, and you know the yeah. double doors of the mall. So there's a guy in a wheelchair, and he's trying to get out the door, and he's struggling, and he's pushing, and all of a sudden the door comes and it slams on him, and he's like, "Oh!" And I, I, I laughed. Right. The guy saw me. He's banging on the glass, giving me the finger. You know, I was afraid to leave the restaurant. I was thinking he was going to wait for me outside and yeah. pull something to beat me. But it was just the way it happened. And I go, that was horrible. This guy, he was so pissed that I that I laughed in that moment. That's the story. Because then Weez comes out and goes, brah, insensitive, two a-holes. Because it was me and Tommy. <laughs> two a-holes, got to that poor guy, this poor dude. You know, and Weez, he can play it up pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But it was just... It was just funny, and that's a story that I'll always remember from that very first time. Well, he used to be – there was another guy in a wheelchair that worked at the radio stations, and I went to Fisher with him, and I'm going to forget his name. But he would wheel by, and there was a window that you could look out into the hallway from the studio. And was the his window, name Pete? Was his name – was it Peter? It might have been. It might have because been. Because I've met him, and he often will say to me, I was the original wheels. <laughs> well, they didn't call him wheels. Right, but yeah. You know what they call him? What they call him? Head. Because when he went by the window, all you saw was his head and it just flowed by. Like when people walk, there's a rhythm, right? You can see right. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of float by the window. So yeah. they started calling him head. They yeah. called him the head. And then, I, he loved it. Yeah, I often tell people I look like Mr. Wilson from Tool Time because I can't see over the <laughs> I can't see over the top of the bar. You know what Weez told me? He said he played poker with you this past weekend at Del Lago and that you were extremely funny and the hit in that in that poker room. He said that guy was so much fun to be around. That's what he told me. Yeah. yeah I, he was just telling me what, you know, how his weekend went. Yeah, it's you know, I often I often say to people that uh they ask us, what's it like playing poker with Weez? I often say it's like doing a radio show just at a poker table. You know, we're yeah. we're shucking and jiving at the poker right. table, except right. at the poker table, we can swear and we don't have to go to commercial either. You know, right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great. Billy, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. 
Now, I don't know when you brought up haters, were there haters in the comments? I can't see the comments. Uh, I'm surprised you can't see the comments, but there are no haters. There is nothing, there is nothing but love pouring in for you and, and, uh, tools and wheeze and everyone, Deanna and me. And, and, uh, so go back and look at the comments, share it on your page. Uh, maybe, maybe if you could even share it on radio 95 one's page. So my views, my views go up a little bit there. We can do that. We can certainly do that. But listen, this has been great, uh, Bill, and have fun tomorrow. Where are you going? Tell people where you're going tomorrow. So tomorrow is um, the first night of the funniest person in Rochester at Comedy at the Carlson. That is tomorrow. Is that what you were thinking I was doing? Or oh no, aren't you? You're going to a concert, aren't you? Friday. Oh, that's Friday. Friday is Tedeschi Trucks, and my son okay. got me tickets for Father's Day because I was supposed to MC the. There are two shows part of the preliminary rounds of the funniest person in Rochester. And I, so I told them I couldn't do it. And I, I think they did ask Norma Holland. I think she's doing it. She is doing it. I did see yeah. it on the Facebook yeah. page. Yeah. So she yeah. said they sent they, she's going to do those two nights and I think I'll do the rest of them. But um, yeah, it was, it's fun. I, you know, I have guys who are, my oldest son is 21, but he's with his mom in the South. And then I have a, a son who's 20 and he's on the track team at Roberts Wesleyan here in town. And I have a 12-year-old son who's also with his mom. So the 20-year-old decided to stay up here. He has a job he hates. He's cleaning dorm rooms. Absolutely hates it. But I go, I you got, it's a great thing to know what you don't like, know what you do like, right? So, right. Um, but he got me tickets. And uh, for Father's Day, he was over. And so he and I are going to go down on Friday to C-Mac to see that. Well, have fun with that, my friend, because it's yeah. like uh, it's like going to church when you go. It is. That. I'm a big fan. And I actually, you know, of course, I was around Wheeze when uh, he kind of discovered Susan on his own when a record person had brought her up. And so I was, uh, you know, been indoctrinated, I guess you could say, with that music. I always liked that style of music, though. And he also sort of brought Susan and Derek together because I believe yes, that is true. And um, it's still in the same vein of music. You know, I I grew up down by Woodstock, so you had a lot of, I mean, I always right. jokingly, like, Bob Dylan's overrated. But that's because everybody in the world I knew, everybody's parents' wheels, they all hung out with Bob Dylan. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They're lying. Right. But everybody loved it. So, um, but John Hyatt was a big one that I grew up really liking, and certainly Weeze does. And, uh, but sure. that was, you know, before Weeze that I had heard. But Susan was absolutely a Weeze for me. I didn't know. Sure. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you, my friend. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. Funniest person in Rochester tomorrow. Go down to Comet the Carlson and check those guys out. Uh, and uh, enjoy Tedeschi Trucks. And thanks for doing this for, for Yeah. And I'll see you Friday then. Yeah. Stay right there for me for one second, would you, while yeah. I close out the show? Ladies sure. and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels with my good buddy Bill Moran from Radio 95.1, the Brother Wheels Show, and uh, the Tulio Moran Show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week when I'm going to have another great guest. Don't know who that will be yet, but stay tuned. Yeah. We 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 don't we don't book weeks ahead. We book week to week. So uh, stay tuned, and we will uh, be sure to let you know who that's going to be. Everybody have a great rest of your uh, Wednesday when this is going to come out slash Tuesday because it's Tuesday today, and we'll see you real soon. Bye bye. <laughs>